I did what I did, but that was before love came to town. And when love comes to town, the town gets changed. Love changes things. Love changes lives. As I mentioned in our uh, prayer, we're in the season of Advent, and, and Advent is a unique season because it's a season where we're waiting, we're longing expectantly for something to come. In the church, we're longing, we're expecting for Jesus to return. And so there's an excitement about that, but there's also a lament because the world we live in, we know, has gone off course. Things are not right right now, and we experience it on every level. And so we're living in the tension of this, this hope that is coming and the reality of, of the present. But even in the, the tension of this in-between time, the assurance we have is that Jesus is working. The kingdom of God is, is advancing even today. Jesus brings hope to the hopeless today. Jesus brings peace where there is pain today. Jesus' love changes lives today. The reign of God is on the move. Last week, we looked at the story of Mary Magdalene and how her life was changed when she encountered Jesus. This morning, we're going to turn to the story of a man whose name we don't know, but whose life was very much transformed because he encountered Jesus. Join me as we pray. <clears throat> Lord, in the, this season of Advent, uh, we wait. You call us to be strong, to take heart, and to wait on you. And Lord, even as we wait for your return, we know that you are at work in the present. And so we invite you to do a work of transformation in us today by the power of your word and the person of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. <clears throat> a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. A leper, or as the NIV translates, a man with leprosy came to him. In the original Greek, it just says a leper. And so I was wondering, why would the NIV editors change that to a, a man with leprosy? It doesn't alter the, the meaning of the text, so I don't think that they're, they're messing with you know, biblical inerrancy or, uh, in any way. But why would they say that? Uh, a man with leprosy. Well, it's because in contemporary English, we have learned that it's best not to reduce people to a condition they have. 
yes, he's a leper. But lest we only see him as a leper, it's helpful for us to, to be reminded that beneath the infectious disease that he carries on his skin, he's a man. He's a person like you and like me. A man with leprosy. <clears throat> Before he contracted leprosy, he was probably one of those who thought that could never happen to me. And then it did. It was the assumption of the day that leprosy was a punishment for sin. And so he was probably somebody who had looked down on lepers and maybe even held them in dis disdain. And now he was one of them, a leper. His leprosy had robbed everything from him. Leprosy was the most dreaded of all diseases because it separated people from family and from community. It was considered a sort of living death. In some ways, it's similar to what many people have experienced the last two years during the COVID pandemic. Loved ones at their greatest time of need have been cut off from families. Those requiring hospitalization were often unable to receive even a visit from a spouse. And many of those people died. Without their loved ones being able to be there at their side, hold their hand, pray with them, cry with them, tell them that they loved them one last time. Right before the pandemic hit, uh, we moved Karen's mom to uh, a nursing home in Ohio. It was the right time to make that move for her, and, and it went very well. Uh, she was adjusting well, and then COVID hit, and it turned this beautiful nursing home into a prison. No visitors, not just for weeks, but for months, no visitors. Karen's mom in particular, like Bree, is extremely social, thrives on social interaction. And so this was, was extremely damaging to her. She confessed to a, us once, this was not how I planned on spending the last few years of my life. To be a leper in the first century was even more difficult. Jewish law laid out in Leviticus 13 what it was that a leper had to do. Listen to what the scripture says. The leprous person who has this disease shall wear torn clothes. By their clothing, they, they should be telling everyone, stay away. They shall wear torn clothes. They shall let their hair on their head hang loose. And they shall cover their upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And they shall remain unclean as long as they have the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Leprosy was a condition for which there was no cure. There was no alternative medicine. There was no experimental drug. There was no vaccine. There was no ointment that could make leprosy go away. To have leprosy was not just to be unclean, but it was to be unclean with little to no hope of ever becoming clean. It was to be isolated from community with little to no hope of ever being able to re-enter community and family life. 
Leprosy was such a one-way ticket to the land of misery that whenever somebody was cured of leprosy, they treated it as a miracle on par with the resurrection of the dead. So this is the condition of the man that day who comes to Jesus, who falls on his knees and begs him to heal him. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You were speaking Egyptian. I lived there when I was a boy. Why were you there? We had to leave Bethlehem when I was two years old because of Herod. You lived in Bethlehem? During the massacre of the innocents? I did. I know the story. Herod had every child in the area under the age of two killed. Yes. It was very sad. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Don't seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? 
Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> Not too shabby. I don't think that's in the original Greek. <clears throat> when love comes to town, lives get changed. This encounter with Jesus, it seems totally driven by this man. The man has sought him out. He's the one who approaches Jesus. He's the one who falls at Jesus' feet. But is there more to the story? I believe so. If we were just to step a chapter back, we would see Jesus in another town. Love had come to another town. And he was doing miracles, and he was ministering to all kinds of people, and news about him was spreading. And he ministered all night long, and early in the morning, when it was still dark, he went to a solitary place where he started to pray. And his disciples came out, and they found him, and they said, What are you doing? Everybody has gathered in town already. They're ready for for." Act two, you know, let, let's go. There's more people to minister to. And Jesus said, let us go somewhere else. Let us go to another town, to another village, so that I can preach there also. You see, I believe that God is orchestrating the steps of Jesus because he had a divinely appointed encounter in mind with a man with leprosy with a person who was paralyzed after that, with Matthew, the tax collector, after that. God orders our steps. So the reason Marty was up there this morning was because back in September, Brianna happened to be walking through our parking lot, and she met Marty, and being who Brianna is, she spoke to Marty, and, and Marty answered, we're having a, a dinner tonight, you ought to come. And she came that, that first night, and here we are, we've, we've baptized her. What does this mean for us, that God is ordering all of our steps? One of the things it means is that we are always on mission. The scripture says, be ready in and out of season. Be ready at any time, because God is ordering your steps. You never know when there is a divinely appointed encounter that's on God's calendar where, that he wants to use you. And so when we go to the grocery store to get our, our gallon of milk and our dozen eggs, God might have in mind more than a gallon of milk and a dozen eggs. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Those are remarkable words coming from someone who had no hope for healing. This man wasn't questioning if Jesus could heal him. He was questioning if Jesus would heal him. I know you can. If you are willing, you can do this. A few weeks ago, our small groups met, and they were discussing this, this video and, and this scene in particular. And one of the questions was, that was asked was how you'd fill in the blank. Lord, if you are willing, comma, what? How would you fill in that blank? 
Are there some things that, that maybe you have been afraid to ask God? But as you think about it, maybe, maybe you'd really like to. I wonder if there are some things that God would like to do for us, for you, but he's waiting for us to turn to him in faith and waiting for us to ask. I think that's true because the scripture talks about it. James writes, you have not because you ask not. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that God gives us everything we ask for, but there may be some things that he won't give us until we turn to him in faith and ask. So how would you fill in that sentence? Is there something that you've been afraid to ask God for? Lord, if you are willing. One of the reasons I don't ask is because uh, I assume the answer already is going to be no. One of the reasons I don't ask is because I don't want to be disappointed by God. I don't want to raise my hopes up and then when that doesn't happen, be disappointed or feel like I've got to somehow defend God for not doing what seems like such an obvious thing to do. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus could have healed him with only the spoken word, but he reached out first and he touched the man. This was a man who hadn't felt human touch in who knows how long. And so Jesus ministers to him first by touching him, but there's something more going on in that touch. I think it's the foreshadowing of the cross. You see, lepers were isolated because they were unclean. Nobody wanted to, to be near them lest they contract the disease themselves and become unclean as well. This is why the law demanded that they wear shabby clothes and, and have crazy hair and shout out unclean so that everyone would, would create a, a wide swath whenever they were near so that they wouldn't contract the disease and become unclean. To touch a leper was to join them in their living death. And so Jesus touches the leper, an act that would make him unclean. And as he did, he became unclean and he said to him, be cleansed. Friends, this is the language of salvation. This is the language of the cross. At the cross, that is exactly what was taking place. Filled with compassion, Jesus took our uncleanness, took our sin, and in exchange gave us his righteousness, gave us his cleanness. I have no doubt today that if we were all lepers and Jesus offered us healing from our disease, 100% of the people in here would take him up on that. You would say, yes, please. Well, the scripture says we're unclean. That we all have the, the, the poison, the infection of sin. And like leprosy, it's incredibly contagious. We inherited it from our parents, who inherited it from their parents, all the way back to Adam and Eve. 
in our entire life, we've just been adding to that infection. And so we have this, this disease that's not as visible, perhaps, as leprosy. Some of us do a really good job at, at masking it, but it's there, and we need a cure. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We are walking with a living death, just like a leper, apart from Jesus Christ. Everyone who is born today is born with a one-way ticket to the land of misery. I know that's not hopeful news. That's, that's hard to hear, and, and maybe you think, why, why are we talking about that? We need to hear the bad news because there's incredible news. The good news is that Jesus is willing. His answer to the leper is his answer to us. I am willing. The cross is Jesus' answer to the question of whether he is willing or not to take our sin. When we look at the cross, we hear, hear the definitive answer, yes, I am willing. Be clean. He takes our one-way ticket to the land of misery upon himself. And he gives us the one-way ticket to the land of paradise. This is salvation. The Apostle Paul was assured of salvation, which is why he could say, for me to live, if I go on living, it's going to be about Christ. But to die, for me, is gain. As believers, death is not the worst thing that can happen to us. We've been given paradise because Jesus went to the cross for our sins. 100% of us would ask Jesus to cleanse us from our leprosy. My hope is that every single person here today has also asked Jesus to cleanse them from your sins. Because we do have this living death sentence that we're living, that we're living with every single day, and Jesus has already provided the cure. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. This is the promise that we have. 